Thank you for joining us today at River City Church, a church living in love. If you have a prayer need, would like to speak to a pastor, or have questions about today's message, please email us at info at rivercitysmyrna.com. For more information or to give to the ministries of River City Church, please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com. We hope you are encouraged by today's message. God This morning by reading Psalm 16. Preserve me, O God, for I take refuge in thee. I said to the Lord, Thou art my Lord. I have no good besides thee. As for the saints who are in the earth, they are the majestic ones in whom is all my delight. The sorrows of those who have bartered for another God will be multiplied. I shall not pour out their libations of blood, nor shall I take their names upon my lips. The Lord is the portion of my inheritance and my cup. Thou dost support my lot. The lines have fallen into me, fallen to me in pleasant places. Indeed, my heritage is beautiful to me. I will bless the Lord who has counseled me. Indeed, my mind instructs me in the night. I have set the Lord continually before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh also will dwell securely. For thou wilt not abandon my soul to Sheol, neither wilt thou allow thy Holy One to undergo decay. Thou wilt make known to me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy, and in thy right hand there are pleasures forever. God, open up our hearts today to see you, to truly see you. We need to know more of who you are, deeper revelation of what life is lived like in God. So let us leave here today with a new glimpse, a different side of you that we've never seen before. We thank you for being here, for walking among us. We thank you for every day inviting us deeper into relationship with you and each other. Give us the bravery to go, Jesus. 
bless our time here today, that it would be fruitful for our lives and for the kingdom, that it wouldn't just be two hours of entertainment or two hours of sitting in a seat, but it would be a real deep engagement, spirit on spirit on spirit, that your kingdom would go forth. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we're going to go ahead and jump in. Super pumped today to be here. I really struggled preparing for this message in a good way. I still don't feel like I landed. So you guys are getting like right before a plane lands. That's where I'm preaching from. So I hope the Lord reveals himself to you. I already know that he will. And I already know that I don't have to perform. So I feel good about that. So let's just pray together. Father, we present this time to you as worship. We know that it is just as important as screaming out. We know that. We know that your word is so vital. We know that we have to know it because to know it is to know you. We know that you are the Logos. We know that you are alive. And we know that you, you speak to us as children, not as slaves. And you speak to us through your word and you want to speak to us. You look for ways to speak to us. You set us up in situations so that we can hear you clearly, and a lot of times we still don't hear you clearly. You give us opportunities, and even look past the stupid stuff we do, and still speak to us. And you're never angry at us. I just thank you that you never stop speaking to us. I thank you for that. Even right now in this room, you're trying to speak to each of us in your way, which is individually and corporately, and somehow it floods the room like water, and whoever needs to be filled in this amount is filled, and whoever needs to be filled. It's so interesting. That's your word, and it's alive, and it's here, and it's going to touch people today. I just believe that. So I thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, real quick. So we, we're in Mark right now, a study of Jesus in the book of Mark. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to just reveal the person of Jesus to you so it becomes real for you. Um, we don't really want to do other things this year except for that. Deep Roots is one of our prayers. If you don't have our prayer stuff, you can grab one of these before you leave and put it on your fridge. Each season we have things that we feel like we're supposed to pray about, that we've prayed and God has spoken. These are the things, and the very first one is Roots. And to know Jesus is to go deeper. To walk with Jesus is to go deeper. And you can't go deeper without him. And he offers himself to you to go deeper. And I just love so far this year how that's happening. Um, whether it's 12, the discipleship group for women for spiritual formation, or what's about to happen in student ministry, or even just Sundays, it feels like I'm noticing people going deeper. By deeper, I don't mean that means you're louder, okay? I don't mean that means that you're more charismatic. I mean deeper means you're more into the heart of God. Like you have more fruit. Without a deep root system, there is not going to be fruit, right? So roots are super important. Jesus is the root, right? The root of the stump of Jesse, as we talked about a few months ago. Today, I'm going to talk to you from chapter 3. Um, and really, in this passage, it's just kind of more of the same, where Jesus is causing a lot of commotion. Um, there's some different stuff here, but, but really, he's still just stirring things up, and he's okay with that. Um, I remember becoming aware of Jesus in the first parts for me, at least where I started to think he's probably real 
I remember the first things that I would try and respond with. And I remember the, some of the very first things were just the wants that I had. And, and that's, I think, okay. But that we notice Jesus is real in some way. Somebody said something, we've seen something, and it sparks our interest in a way that we kind of start to go after him, not necessarily wanting to follow at that point, but you did that for them. Can you, you know what I'm saying? Like, you did that for them. Can you maybe do that for me? Like, and I don't think that's bad. That's not enough. I remember times in my walk with him, and still even now, where I felt like I've learned enough of Jesus that when someone's talking against him, I would like to protect him. And feeling very, like, validated doing that. Like, you're talking about my Jesus? And feeling like I should be really standing up for Jesus in such a way that I'm willing to harm others. That's, that's literally how the crusades started. That's how a lot of stupid stuff starts. But I've been there many times where somebody said something or Starbucks doesn't do something. Like, they're, like we're supposed to rely on Starbucks to do something. Like, like, like Target doesn't do something and feeling like, oh, yeah? Like I, I remember feeling very validated, like standing up for Jesus because he just wants somebody to stand up for, for him to be on cups at Starbucks and at Target. It's not about really living with him, but, man, I'd fight for you, Jesus, like, and harm people for Jesus and really, like, missing the whole point. I also have had times where I have, and this is going to be a hard one to talk through, I've had, I've chosen family over Jesus in my growth. And I, I'll be honest with you, I'm still, I'm still in a similar spot where it feels very much like family sometimes I don't know. Like, it, it, is it? Am I really more in love with Jesus than family, or like, really, what's? I've 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 sat through really feel. I've chosen family over like doing hard things for God. And I'm, my family's in the room. It's very uncomfortable to talk about that. Like in this passage you're about to read, it's pretty, it's pretty bold. Jesus scolds his family in front of a large group of people, like Mary, who said yes. He scolds her and everybody else. And basically says, these guys are my family now, and you're not. And paints some kind of a picture. And, and I, I just know as you grow, I love how at no point does Jesus decide it's time to cut ties with us. In any of those seasons, right? Like, I believe even people involved in the Crusades, as stupid as that was, how did we not see that? Let's go kill people for the sake of Jesus. Just that phrase. But I believe even in the midst of that, he still was somehow working his word to people involved in that, reaching out to them with grace at each stage in our growth, right? Like, and so as I read this passage today, a couple things really leap off the page to me. Jesus is never unsure of what he's doing. Let that sink in. He is never unsure. I woke up today unsure what I was going to say to you. Every day of the week, we, at some point, we are completely unsure. He is never unsure, ever. There's never, and in this passage, you see it so clearly. There's so many things he has to balance. He's never unsure, and he never is ready to throw in the towel, which makes, if he's never unsure, every single moment he's trying to speak to you, every single moment is exactly the thing that you need in that moment, always. He's never, he doesn't actually give you the wrong card. Give that back, Alita. That wasn't for you. That doesn't happen. He always, which makes it so vital that we understand that at no point 
can we not rely on his wisdom in anything? At any moment, when we use our wisdom, it is not his wisdom. So there has to be a space created where we give him reign over everything. Everything. Family, this passage alone, our wisdom would have killed people. Our wisdom would have killed Jesus. He would have been crushed. Our wisdom would have taken Jesus out of his ministry because his family was concerned just in this passage alone. People had to be told in every scenario. I'm going to say this with grace. This is him talking. I'm, I hate putting myself in his spot. But pretend that But you've got it wrong. And here's what needs to happen. And you don't even get it still. So the best case scenario is that you would just come with me. Like your best bet is to stop even thinking and just come, come with me. I'm going to take you up to a mountain. I like mountains and creeks and lakes. And I'm going to talk to you. And you're going to hear me say, I'm inviting you. And your only criteria is that you want to go. <laughs> Isn't that like great? Because you're, you're all stupid. And Jesus, I mean, and Jesus loves you. We're all stupid. Just in this passage alone, Jesus would have been killed right at the beginning. Right? Like right at the beginning. So I'm going to read this to you. This is Mark 3, verses 7 through 35. Okay? Mark 3, verses 7 through 35. I'm actually, I threw a curveball. I'm reading from the ESV. I don't think we have that on there. Is that ESV? It's ESV. What is it? No, it's through 30. Through 30. I'm sorry. 7 through 30. Okay, here it goes. All right, so Mark 3, 7 through 30. All right, remember too, this Jordan preached last week, and what happened was Jesus wanted to heal somebody on a Sabbath, do a good thing, and he gets in trouble because he heals somebody on a day when you shouldn't, right? And Jordan, awesome, Jordan mentioned how, is it not weird that nobody thought it was just great that he was just healing someone? Like even the, Phar the Pharisees were like, we see that you heal, like just that stop right there. We should probably stop and think. No, they couldn't see good in it. And so Jesus now, at the beginning of this passage, has to leave synagogues. He has to stop his ministry in the synagogues, which has been his whole avenue. And he's now forced outside of that to withdraw with his people. And I, people travel 100 miles to find him here. People, and this time and day, 100 miles is like traveling from here to Ethiopia. Literally, but on foot. So people are still, he just can't get away. So here goes. Jesus withdrew his disciples to the sea, and a great crowd followed from Galilee to Judea, and Jerusalem to Idumea, and from beyond the Jordan and around Tyre and Sidon. When the great crowd heard all he was doing, they came to him, and he told his disciples to have a boat ready for him because the crowd, lest they crush him. For he healed many so that all who had diseases pressed around him just to touch him. And whenever the unclean spirits saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, You are the Son of God. And he strictly ordered them to not make him known. And he went up on the mountain and called to him those whom he desired. Wouldn't it be just great to, put, to believe that, just that, that you're called and he desires you. Just, if you just 100% believe that, how much would change in your life? And they came to him. And he appointed 12, whom he also named apostles, so that they might be with him 
and he might send them out to preach and have authority to cast out demons. Real quick, though. Be with, then sent, then cast out demons. Please get that order. Be with, then sent, then cast out demons. He's not saying, go cast out demons, and then you come be with me. Be with, be sent, cast out demons. Please don't mess that order. Okay. He appointed the twelve, Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, James, the son of Zebedee, and, the, and John, the brother of James, to whom he gave the name... But when, I even listened to a pronunciation this morning of this. Boanerges. Thank you. Who's the scholar over there? Thank you very much. It's very beautiful of you to say that. That is sons of thunder. Andrew and Philip and Bartholomew and Matthew and Thomas and James the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus and Simon the zealot and Judas Iscariot who betrayed him. Then he went home and, and the crowd gathered again so that they could not even eat. I hate doing so many riffs. Sometimes there's so much of a crowd that people can't eat. There's, I literally could do a whole sermon series on that. Sometimes crowds gather for the wrong reasons and people stop being able to eat of Jesus. Sometimes crowds, I, I've only listened to one message from T.D. Jakes in my life. I have no idea his theology. I don't know if he's right or wrong, but I heard him say that sometimes when a cut is infected, it swells. And we have a lot of infected communities right now. But we're cheering like it's the best thing ever, but nobody's eating. That's like a whole nother sermon. I don't even know what I'm... So, yes, it is important to be in community with people who know you well. Oh, that's, that's, that's like straight from the word, guys. I'm about to get fired up in here. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so they couldn't even eat. And when his family heard it, they went out to seize him, for they were saying, he is out of his mind. And the scribes who came down from Jerusalem were saying, he's possessed by Beelzebul. And by the prince of demons, he cast out demons. And he called them to him and said to them in parables, how can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, the kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, the house will not be able to stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but, is, but he is coming to an end. But no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man. Then indeed he may plunder his house. Truly I say to you, all sins will be forgiven, the children of men, and whatever blasphemes, blasphemies they utter. And now the most horrific passage for many people's childhoods. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness. But is guilty of an eternal sin. Dun, dun, dun. Wow. For they were saying, but we don't, we don't see this part. For they were saying, he has an unclean spirit. I've heard a lot of people talk about blasphemy and what it is. Um, I know most of us think it's two, two words. Um, I just want to say this about this. If you're afraid that you might have blasphemed, you have definitely not blasphemed. Okay, that, that, just that, just that is proof that you don't need to scour your life for that one instance. But in this case, and I'm like all over the place, in this case, saying that Jesus has an unclean spirit is saying that he cannot do what he came to do, specifically for the sayer. So therefore, the byproduct of that 
is how can a person receive forgiveness if they believe that the one there to do it is actually their enemy? So it's just like this plus this equals this. It's not so much be careful to never, anyone who is worried, you're good, you're good. For the person who has no worry and thinks Jesus is the enemy, how will they be saved? How can they be saved? Because it's from us that we receive what he gives. When we confess Jesus is Lord, I give my life to you. The person here that would never, and that's why such strong words are spoken. This person and these people, they're not going to do that, right? Like they're not going to, you know, like, would you ever do that? If you would, you wouldn't be in this room. You're not at church if you're, if you're blaspheming on accident. Like, does that make sense? I'm just tired of the, the fear around stuff like that. I'm tired of like the planes falling, everybody's going to die. This is going to happen. You're going to get burned up. That's just not the way Jesus operates. He doesn't draw people to him like that, right? Like we, we can't give the real Jesus without having the real Jesus, right? I'm so all over the place. So he had to leave the synagogue. Why? Because he was going to be killed. And why could he not be killed? It's not that he was just going to be killed and he wasn't afraid. He had to still recruit some people and he had to show people how to die. If he would have died then, he would have had no disciples. Make sense? Who's carrying the message? It wasn't the crowds. The next thing that happens is he, he finds himself on a, on a shore, but he, this is beautiful to me. He, he figures out a plan to where the people, when they get there, who are going to kill him, not because they're angry, but because they thirst for what he might do. They're going to surround him to try and touch him and in the process, crush him. So he gets a boat Get this in your mind. Like before the scene's happening, they're coming in a little bit. Can somebody grab the boat? Jesus, what are you doing with the boat? It's not time to fish. There's people coming. Get ready. I'm going to stand on the boat out in the water because there's nobody who's going to swim to me for them to touch me, right? There are people in that crowd that need to be healed right when they get there. Jesus decides to distance himself from those people. So does Jesus always heal? Not if he has something more important to give you. Not if he has something more important than healing you. Because those people would have received healing and checked out. So he distanced himself from people in desperate need of healing. Like crying out, willing to jump on him. He distanced himself. Jesus distances himself from people for a better purpose. Because he wanted them to thirst and hunger after more than just what he would give them. Do you feel, I don't know how many times in my life I've demanded so much show that I'm crushing Jesus in my life, just crushing him. I haven't listened to a word he said, but he finds a way to find a boat, put it out on whatever proverbial water or whatever metaphorical water is in my life, and distance himself in such a way that all I can choose is to listen. Jesus, I still would like for you to heal me. I understand that, Josh. I'm standing in a boat because I can't heal you yet. Why, Jesus? I need healing. You need much more than healing. You need much more than healing. If I heal you now, I'm saying bye to you as well. That's just good. So he chooses to distance himself from us at times if it's better for us. The next statement, demons start saying, son of God. Freaking weird. Son of God. The demons accurately depict Jesus in scripture. Isn't that crazy? But he tells them to shut up. And he doesn't make them leave, by the way, like... 
And this is also interesting to me. People who really want a miracle and the demons are all in the same crowd. I don't know if there's anything bigger than that, but it just feels like it's important that it's all together. So he distanced himself. He makes him be quiet. And here's the reason why. In that city at that time, people were this close to being ready to rise up for a Messiah. They were this close to being ready to take off and destroy folks. And Jesus knew if demons started walking around saying, Son of God is here, Son of God is here. And they're, they're just literally only scared of him. Which is, for me, just a lot more proof of Jesus, right? Like, they don't say, get away from me. They're not like, we're scared of your miracles. They use the phrase, son. They're afraid of his relationship. Ah! It's like 52 messages in one. They're not afraid of miracles. They're afraid of his relationship with the Father. That's why they say the only thing they can say, son of God. Because in them is an independent spirit, which that's just the demonic. Like, that's... Our enemy, independent spirit. You know that Pharisee actually means a separated one? Do you know that's the little, like if I'm starting Pharisee school and they're like, separated one. I probably at that time, I'm like, whoa, wait a But they didn't know Jesus. And Jesus came to unseparate. That's why in the next passage, he gathers. Right? So he tells them to shut up because they would have spoke the truth at the wrong time and gotten every body killed timing is everything he distances himself at times he doesn't let us say even the truth at times because it will be heard and a genocide will happen we will want to burn target down because they are the enemy right they have a big dot for us to aim at that's so from god right that's definitely from god we need to destroy Target. No, he's not destroying any of these people. We need to blow up abortion clinics. No, he's still trying to reach them. He's trying to reach even the Pharisees who are unreachable here. He's trying to reach them. He doesn't want bad promotion. Guys, he doesn't want to be promoted wrong here. He doesn't want the wrong pub. He has to do this by action in a small group of people. So the next thing he does, actually, I'm going to just talk about the saddest words here. The saddest words to me, and I do feel emotional about this. I'm not going to cry, and I mean that. I'm not saying that so I can start to cry. I, but his family notices what's happening, and they're just, it's confusing. They still believe in this false Messiah that's coming, like David, to destroy people. And it's just confusing. He's evidently selecting the wrong people. Nobody's prominent. There's a religious zealot in there. There's a tax collector who is disgusting. There's four fishermen. There's six nobodies. He's, he's, he's got an enemy now. His family's noticed. This guy's got an enemy. Like, there are, and they can actually kill him. So his family's like doing all the things we would do. Any of us in this room, if our somebody was going to be killed, even by our government, would we not all step up? Be like, you can do whatever you want, boy. boy blah, blah, blah. That's, what he, that's what they're doing. They step up. They don't know that he, he doesn't care about safety anymore. They don't know that he doesn't care about the public opinion. They don't know that he's coming to die. They just want what's best for him. And in the, one of the hardest lessons ever, and every time I read that passage, it's hard for me to read it because we all feel it. Look at your family in this room. Jesus is more important than your family in this room. That's hard. 
Now, understanding him rightly means that we will love rightly. But he basically tells his family, these guys are my family. You guys stay outside. They would have pulled him away from his mission. His family would have taken him away from all that he was about to do. And they would have been convinced this is the right thing. Does that make sense? So what does he do? Jesus knows he has to get this message out. Jesus is trying to figure out the best way to do it. It's not going to be by miracles. Miracles is good. It's drawing people, but all those people are about to leave. In the process of all this happening, he sees 12 guys. He takes them up on a mountain. He sits them down on rocks and stumps and on dirt. And something about the way he talks to them makes them want to follow him. Something about the way that he looks at them helps them to see this person desires me. And none of them have a clue what's about to happen. None of them know that he's going to die like he's going to die. All of them don't want him to. All of them are going to struggle from that point all the way up until the death. So the only stipulation for them in this passage was, do you want to be with me? And will you say what I want you to say later? And all of them say yes, except for one later who instantly regrets it. So I love that. Which seat do you sit in? Which person in the story are you? Are you really the religious national zealot? There's somebody in his group that is a religious freak, but a national freak as well. Jewish nationalism was way stronger than what we have right now. And we have a lot of Christian nationalism, which just, the, the two don't mix. It just doesn't, right? My brother in Ghana is my brother in Christ. Over my brother, an American, is my, does it make sense? All day, every day. Choose it every day. Brother in Christ. Sister in Christ. Right? It was even more so here. So much so that they were ready to destroy people. So he looks at them and he says, will you follow me? And they say, yes, they want to. And then he begins to walk with them. They don't see what's going to happen. They don't know that Peter's going to be the rock. They don't know that Jesus is going to die. They don't know that they're going to see all that they see. They just have one decision. Do you desire to be with me and will you follow me? That's the same thing he's asking us. That's exactly what he wants. He does not miss anything. He is perfect in his wisdom. He knows exactly where you're at in this room and has exactly what you need. That doesn't mean he's going to give you what you want because some of you would crush him. Some of you would promote him wrongly. So what is he saying and what is he doing right now on, in 2017 on April 23rd? What is he doing in your life right now? That's the best wisdom you're going to find all day. And he has it for you right now. If you guys could just close your eyes with me. Just remember too. The demons, when they saw Jesus, were afraid of his closeness to the Father. Because that would be the most pivotal weapon that would be used, relationship. So you better understand that as you say yes to follow him, even the demons don't want you to. Because they know that will be your strongest weapon. Is your proximity to your Father. Jesus stands in the spot in this story that we all prophesy to be sons and daughters. And he offers that to you before you understand it. 
But if you have even just a little bit of desire for him, that's all that's needed. So, Father, I pray right now, Holy Spirit, that you would just do this with me. Close your eyes. Jesus, Jesus is meeting with you right now. In whatever place is comfortable for you in your mind's eye, whether it's a mountaintop, the side of a creek, a front porch, a river, wherever, wherever place you feel most connected to Jesus, Jesus walks over to you in this place. And something about the way he looks and talks to you helps you to be certain that he loves you and wants you. Father, the opposite of blasphemy is complete recognition that you are 100% who you say you are and instant obedience. That's how you speak. So, Father, right now, I pray that your sheep would hear your voice. We give access to you, the Father, and the Holy Spirit because you all know what's best for all of us, our church, our families. So we know when you say a hard thing, for a better thing. We know when you withhold things, it's for something deeper. So with your eyes remaining still, moving past where you just were, what spot do you find yourself in this story? Are you in a demanding spot, wanting something from Jesus so badly that you haven't seen that you begin to crush his voice in your life? Is he asking you to stay back just a little bit so you can hear what he has to say? That's his love for you. Are you angry at people around you because whatever reason, are you ready to fight? Jesus loves those people as much as he loves you. Hard one, guys. Hard one right here. Is Jesus asking you to sacrifice something that seems so right and so real and so from him, but has become an idol, even family? bigger yes from him. Give him space to speak into that. I pray for your comforting Holy Spirit to be in this room, Father, as you speak truth to us. For your spirit is the spirit of truth and it reveals all things to us. Have access. Have your way in this place. In Jesus' name, just for the next few moments, if you would stay in a spot where you can interact with the Father as he says he leads. Father, I just thank you for every person that's here that's your child that you love. And I just pray that as they leave, they feel you wooing them into a family that's even stronger than our bloodlines on earth. Its bloodlines are eternal. And it's a stronger family with a stronger love and a stronger acceptance. And I pray that as we leave, we would say yes to you, God, and that we would take you that way. Be with us, God. Go before us. We thank you for every good gift, God, because it's from you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Love you guys. Thank you again for joining us today. And please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com.